Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Jim Crenn No Restrictions Podcast. We are worldwide, nationwide. We are Pittsburgh-wide on the Pittsburgh Podcast Network. On demand, in your hand, on your lap, or on your desktop. 24-7, 365. You can get it anytime you want. Here they are, Mike Sasson, Terry Jones, Mike Wysocki, and your host of Pittsburgh's number one podcast, Jim Crenn. Jim Crenn, No Restrictions. Pittsburgh Podcast Network here with Mike Sass and Terry Jones and Mike Wysocki. We have our, our audience here, which uh, we have a little, little studio audience, and uh, uh, Bonnie and, and uh, Tanner and Scarlett and Bill, Bill hanging out with us again. So, And it's our, our hol- another holiday show. This is the next couple weeks here is a holiday. So New Year- Christmas and New Year's back-to-back. Um, I'll be at the Rivers Casino. For New Year's Eve, RiversCasino.com. Get tickets. It'll be a lot of fun. Let's open a show with uh, Nikki Minaj is in hot water because of a private show she did for a dictator. It's interesting because we're all stand-up comedians here in the room. And it was funny because with her doing this for $2 million, and she says she didn't know that he was a dictator. But my thought is, as an entertainer, you know who you're performing for at all times. So why would you perform for a dictator even for any amount of money. I mean, the guy's a killer. He's killed people, killed his villages, unless they hide it, unless an agent's saying, you know, all oh, that rumor for the, the killing of the villages is rumors. You know how dictators are, stabbing each other in the back. <laughs> and then she just went and did it because the agent wanted percentages. I don't know. But but she's in hot water because this guy's a huge dictator. What do you guys think as a performer? Thinks she knew? She thinks she didn't know? Well, well, let me ask you a question. Like, we've all played in, like, clubs and bars in which we're maybe a little shady about the ownership i mean he might be a little bit you know where he got his money type deal and i mean if i know right. he's a dick t- i mean there's a there's a level there's dictator well, he he's and then like the guys you know, bad things you know yeah i mean the guy's done some terrible things but i don't know i would not do two million dollars for momar Gaddafi, which is what beyonce's done which is what usher's done mariah carey's done i mean not anymore since he's dead but i mean if a guy's a little shady Unless I have distinct proof, like, I probably would still do the show. If it was just like, eh, a guy's a little mobbed up. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I understand. It'd be a tough call. Because, you know, a few million dollars, you'd be like, eh, killed a few people. What the heck? <laughs> they probably it's probably not going to kill it. me. Were, yeah. But, I mean, Sinatra, I mean, how many times does Sinatra sit there and say, hey, he treats me good? You know, he's, you know, he's. Hey, Joey, the left eye, you know, he might have killed. But you know what? He treats me good. He's a good show. You worked at the Copa. He's a nice guy. Yeah, but you wonder about them killing, like, you know, women and children and all this stuff, you know. And even the mob had a coat. Yeah. That sounds like a like a movie tagline. Even the mob had a coat. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> it is, a, right? It's the Sopranos coat. It's the mob coat. No women and children. But that's what I mean. It's like, the, the you know, these, these dictators, they always say these weird these horrible, horrific stories. And Whitney Houston made a living while she was alive. They said he did a lot of those shows. I, who knows if, if they knew or not, these people. But, like, if you're Beyonce, okay, yeah. you're married to Jay-Z. Right. You have hundreds of millions of dollars. Do you, you know, again, there's dictate $3 million she got to play Momar Gaddafi's New Year's Eve party in St. Bart's. <laughs> yeah. Momar freaking Gaddafi. <laughs> Not a mobbed up guy in, in Youngstown. Momar yeah. bleeping Gaddafi. I mean, that's that's a little that's a different level. That's but a, yeah, it's a lot. Of money. I mean, uh, Reagan tried to <laughs> blow him up. 
but but now you're celebrating New Year's Eve with the guy. I'm always uh, I'm just amazed at how they the, the hypocrites uh, that a lot of the Middle Eastern dictators are. They they hate our guts. You know we hate the Americans. You know the capitalist is Satan, and then on the birthday, get me J Lo. <laughs> What's that all about? Well, North North Korea's <laughs> they leader. Hate it. They don't hate us on their birthday. They love everything we do. Well, North Korea's yeah. leader throws, you know, shoots missiles. Kim Jong Un. Kim Jong Un. He does that, and but then he brings Dennis Rodman over and watches American movies and all that other kind of stuff. He You're right. Loves basketball, yeah. Nike, uh, uh, everything. It, it, yeah, it's amazing. Everything American. I think he loves to eat. It's, he does. <laughs> he, well, he loves. He does. Love, you know, uh, uh, likes to eat and likes to kill. I, that's another movie tagline. I, 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 I'm going to tell a brief version of this story. I told him maybe a hundred episodes ago this story. I, I remember telling part of this story. I read this book uh, about this couple that Kim Jong Un's dad wanted to fund the entire country with movies. And because we talked about last week, Star Wars making 230 million. That's what he envisioned his movies making, and he never made that money. That's how he did. He, when he became leader, Kim Jong-il, his dad, he decided movies was going to be the way the country was going to make all its money. They couldn't grow food. They have no trade with anybody. He decided the movies was the way. He <laughs> thought he was like Martin Scorsese. He thought he was a great director. And he had like 20 movies that flopped. Nothing made it. <laughs> so we knew he kidnapped. He kidnapped the director from <laughs> South Korea. It's <laughs> your story. And an actress. And they, and they wrote a book about it. It's the most bizarre thing ever. And, and they, he kept them captive for seven years, and they escaped. They finally escaped. And they did make movie hits. They had like three or four international hits, and he made money. His plan kind of worked, which was weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it, there's n there's no, it's, yeah, he wanted to get an Academy Award. This, this guy was uh, a, a renowned director, and he's and the what ladies in her 90s, still alive. She was an actress. It isn't the most amazing story ever. You get it's yeah how they escaped and the whole deal, but still it's you know so much money. So. But, the, but getting this is kind of crazy director. Yeah. Now that he was he's one of the crazy they're dictators. He was one of the craziest dictators ever. When you're in the top yeah you're in the top five of the BCS rankings of crazy dictators, you would have to put King Jong Il up there. I, mm -hmm. I'm fascinated by North Korea with all the stuff that's coming out. So I'm reading a lot of the stories and books on them. And the thing with about North Korea, which is interesting to me, is that they actually rewrote history there. So everybody in North Korea sees history differently. Like, in other words, they, they feel that we, the United States, is like the, 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 are the only reason they're having any type of problems now. Like, even then, it's like we were the reason. We're stopping all trade, we're doing this and that. And they have this whole thing where this museum where Kim Jong-il and his father, they were not really military anything they were idiots basically they weren't really good military leaders at all everything was divvied up between stalin and after world in the united states that was it they drew a line truman drew a line sorry north is communist we're democrat and the and sure enough kim jong-il's the north and whoever was in the south side he starts convincing stalin so let's attack the south i can take them he said nah this is U.S. is a lot stronger than you think. He goes, they don't care about it. Let me go. Let me go in. He said, nah, he shouldn't do it. Finally convinces China is going to help, is going to be Korean. In other words, they're going to bring in soldiers that look Korean. We, they can't tell the difference, he said. And he did. And so he said, hey, I can get China to get soldiers and fight. And Stalin said, all right, go ahead. 
So they they marched and they took over the whole country except for one little area. And America got pissed. <laughs> we said we're pissed. And that's when the Korean War started. We came back and then took it back to the line and we were going to try to take it over till we decided to stop. But anyway, when they stopped, he has a whole thing where he is the – and he was kind of a coward, Kim Jong-il, and he screwed up everything. We stopped because we stopped. There's cost and too much money. We had no interest in anymore. We don't really care about North or South Korea. There's no, there's no assets there. There's no food. There's nothing there. So they said, well, all right, we're at the line. South is south. North is north. Forget it. We stopped, okay? And Kim Jong-il, if you go to the museum, the way they write it is that he was this huge hero. And he just he was like won 50 battles or something like that. He would just kill the Americans with his bare hands and all these things. But he's like this god, like he's like he's the greatest hero ever, and that that he won that war. You know, they tried to take over North Korea, and he he stopped them. So they they felt that they can build this propaganda, this belief of him as a god. So that's how, and it, it, like things like he could golf. He golfs. Yeah. He had nine holes in one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was. Or yeah. He shot just a twenty-one on an eighteen-hole course. Shot a twenty-one <laughs> in golf. <laughs> He can do anything he wants. So uh, 300 games in bowling is like 25, 300 games or something. It's like anything he does is great. And, uh, and Kim Jong-un now has is, is got the same kind of thing. Like he's done all these there, – There's a, they, they say he, he doesn't go to the bathroom because he's, he's, he's like a god. He's a deity. I wouldn't worship a god I that. didn't think went to the bathroom. They touch uh. upon that in the interview, in the movie, the interview, yeah. It's, it's a very strange place. My God goes to the bathroom. Strangest <laughs> dictatorship ever, man. I don't know how they can keep it going, but they do. But that, that to me, is the, th that's how you know you're a dictator. And like, okay, let me see if this guy's with me or not. Like, hey, you know I scored 60 points every game in my Korean basketball league, and I am better than Michael Jordan. <laughs> if he gives you any, like, what? Then you kill him. But if he sits there and goes, mm -hmm. you're right, Master. You are the best basketball player. Okay, you're good. I'm <laughs> keeping really you around. They really don't have a lot of information there. I'm pretty sure he thinks Dennis Rodman is Michael Jordan. <laughs> 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 and I think Rodman thinks he's the guy who sings that song, Kingdom of Style. <laughs> no, no idea. <laughs> he sits there like, he keeps inviting him back, too. So, <laughs> so all right, so the year, year is now winding down here at the end of 2015, the beginning of, of you know, 16. What was your, on Netflix, Amazon, and networks, what was your favorite television show of the year? Something that you had to binge watch, something you thought was knocked you out? Give, give me your favorite of the year. Year-end, this will be our year-end review kind of thing. Favorite TV show? I'd have to say House of Cards. I really, ah, I really liked, really liked House of Cards. That's a great you know, binge watch, binge watch, really only started this mm. year with that. And it's and I've gotten through you know most of that. So I would say my favorite show of you know of that would probably be that, and then like in terms huh. of like comedy, I don't know. I mean, huh, a lot of I haven't. I'd I'd say right now House of Cards would be number one. That's the one. Yeah, that's the one. All right, M mine is uh, season two of Fargo. It was probably the best thing I've seen in a long time, and I love House of Cards too. But I have to give Fargo an edge. That's how good it was. Just the writing area. I recommend everybody to watch season two of Fargo. Binge watch it. It's it's an amazing show. Fantastic. Like I don't have any fancy cable. I have one of those like clear antenna things. <laughs> he's Amish. He doesn't even have television now. <laughs> what do you, do you watch? Shadow? What's your favorite shadow puppet? I Mike? listen to programs on the radio. What's your favorite tic-tac-toe <laughs> game you played? I listen to the shadow. 
Your favorite drawing. <laughs> I go see vaudeville act. All right. Yes. Um, your fa- favorite vaudeville act of the year. Yeah. <laughs> Funniest TV show by no, far to or, me. Or is, just best show. Is it, a, could be, it doesn't have to be funny. It could just be best binge watch show. Blackish is my favorite comedy show right now on TV. Favorite? That, that one and then really? Brooklyn Nine-Nine second. I think they're the two best comedies going today. I'm going to have to watch Blackish then. It is really, I trust really your funny. Sense the whole way through, yeah, Anthony Anderson. I only watched part of it once. It was okay. It was I, When is I saw the first one, yeah, it's one of those where it, it just takes, a, once you get to know the characters, it only takes like a couple episodes really? and then it just plays right into it. It's really So funny. that's your number one. You right now, one. yeah. You pick it, one. That would be the one I'd pick right now. As and far as the things you can get on free TV, I will watch that, man. <laughs> All right, I, I'm gonna. I'll give one. Let's give one in one A just for fun, just to give people something to watch. There's, there's one other show I have to recommend. You guys have to see. It's off Comedy Central. It's, it's a kind of weird little quirk, quirky show. It's called Drunk History. Oh, that is funny. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's brilliant, actually, the way it's done, and it's accurate. The weird thing is, I look it up, I look up the stories afterwards because the people are drunk telling a story and they act it out. It's it's phenomenal. Yeah, I'm a history guy, and I, I watched it because you recommended it, and I watched did it. Did you love it? I loved it, and the cool thing was, you're exactly right. I did the same thing. I Googled, because they w- it wasn't just like stuff they talked about like general, like you watch you know, on A&E, like World War II stuff. Right. It was like little specific little stories about like the start of Coca-Cola yeah. or anything like that. Little adventurous stories or whatever. But then you, you, you go to the background, and you're absolutely right. They're, they're right on. It's. I mean, they they add some stuff because they're drunk and they make it like funny. But like, yeah, absolutely. It's a it's historically accurate. So that's really awesome. It's yeah. a great show. Yeah, I highly recommend. Now, one one TV show that I wanted to like, it was good. But the only reason I watched the the rest of it was because I just wanted to end it. But I did like the last episode of Mad Men. I liked how Mad Men. Ended. Really? Yeah. Huh. Okay. I wasn't crazy about the. It's okay. It was. Yeah. It was good. Mad Men. No, I, I think it's very good. But I just didn't put it up there with the greatest shows. I don't know why. I just I thought it was kind of. It's good, but kind of boring. I know, always, I always liked it because I just, Fargo I just imagine Don Draper that era was like the same era that my grandfather would have been sure. about that age, and I always just imagine my grandfather who, at, at, you know, when he was, he lived in Milwaukee and he owned a, um, a construction firm. I just always imagine him building missile silos and highways while drinking scotch at two in the afternoon. <laughs> that I thought was cool, drinking in the afternoon. That'd be great. How did he get any work done? <laughs> How did they build the interstate they highway system? Yeah. There probably like a lot of things ha- didn't go right. There probably a lot of bridges that fell and things. People were like, hey, we don't know this. <laughs> you go through Pittsburgh, you're like, why is that bridge that way? Because someone in U.S. Drunk. Steel they were, drunk. were drunk in 1955. Four martini lunch. <laughs> why was Three River Stadium built that way? They were like, let's put the football and the baseball stadium together. <laughs> they always make they always make it in those shows like Mad Men. It looks like it tastes so good, too. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost a thirst quencher. You ever drink scotch? I'm gonna spit it up. It's horrible. <laughs> Even whiskey, like I get, I drink it. I'm like, you know, I'm like, I don't know, a little girl, like, ah! like, and I was like, I can't do that. <laughs> it's not it's like drinking it so smooth. Like, oh, this is great. Me you imagine doing the show while drinking scotch. <laughs> no, like the, the morning show. I, I mean, I, I hold one when I'm at a party. That's it, just to hold the drink. But I, I don't like, I don't get the taste. Is there really? Is is there a good taste? Am I missing something? Me and a buddy of mine. The taste. Uh, we we Orange, were talking about that. Yeah, actually. See, the scotch. You, oh, well, I want to get your TV show too, T. But oh, go, go there's to the a website first. that shows every single TV show, every movie that has had scotch in it. Really? So scotch connoisseurs <laughs> go to this website and they name whatever scotch that person's drinking in they the movie. Tell. So okay. it's their thing where they go, okay, I bought this scotch <laughs> because it was in Friday the Thirteenth. 
the remake, or mm-hmm. I bought this because Don Draper poured it during episode 32. Yeah. So it's actually a pretty cool website to see it, but we always talk about that. We do. Because it, it looks like they pour like it's this much water. in it. They yeah. just put uh, this much in it, and they make it, they put like 12 ice cubes in it, which I don't know what that does. Yes. And uh, you're not going to taste it, and then they make it seem like it's the greatest thing, like it's Gatorade. It's like refreshing. Yes. Like when you drink it. Like, like a sunny delight or something like, like that. <laughs> if you ever drink it, I'd be like... C- coughing and <laughs> gagging for a half hour. Oh yeah, I've, I've had uh, whiskey like back when I used to drink. It's like drinking yeah. Robitussin straight or something. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> my dad drinks Granddad's whiskey. Pe- it smells like gasoline. It's like gasoline. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I, well, you have to acquire a taste. They say for scotch. I believe it. And the more expensive scotches are better. Mm. With the older ones, yeah, single malt. There's all kind of things involved to it. Well, I mean, I have to, I have to try an expensive one one day to judge. To give my per- a balanced judgment because I know what cigars is like that. Because when I was a kid, my uncle Eddie would have Swisher Sweets and stuff, and all these, you know, God bless them, or de- 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 I'm sure they're great cigars. <laughs> but I'd, be tr- I'd have them, and they're like, oh my God, you know, how do you smoke these things, man? And then when I was uh, Morton's, uh, Chicago, I love their, their steaks, and uh, they had smoking there about 12, 15 years ago. So you light up cigars, they have a cigar cart, they'd wheel after your steak. And this uh, maitre d gave me a Davidoff and cigar, and I he lit it up right there, and I did not want it because I was picturing those cigars, my uncle Ed. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to get sick. After I just had the steak. How am mm-hmm. I going to smoke this cigar? And this thing was off the charts delicious. It was, like, creamy, nutty. It is unbel- I was like, what is this all about? He said, that's a $30 cigar. That's what that is. <laughs> it doesn't have a plastic tip on the end yeah. of it. <laughs> it's not a plastic tip. <laughs> Didn't purchase it at a Kogo. That's yeah. the difference, though. It is a $30 cigar. It had that. Mm-hmm. There's a, so I'm, I imagine scotch may be the same thing. You know, Wayne, our, our producer and engineer over there, is nodding his head. So you're a single malt, malt scotch guy. Yeah, uh, you know. You're uh, saying. Jimmy, we got the, uh, we're, the pre- we're pre-taping this. Yes. This is party tomorrow night. Yes, party's tomorrow. I, I will introduce you to some fine scotch tomorrow. Ah, I'll have to get a designated driver. Yeah. Hedy's going to have to drive. That's all there is to it. All right, I'm going to try some great scotch, man. I, I know I, you know, Ron White, I, I like him. I'm a big fan of his comedy. He always talks about. A great scotch tastes like butter and all that kind of stuff, but I don't know. T and I, we're not we're not convinced, right there. No, no, I don't drink at all anymore. I don't like the I don't really like the taste of it. I don't get, you know, I, I like I said, hold it at a party, but I don't like the taste of. There's really scotch. nothing in alcohol that I enjoy about the taste. That's funny. <laughs> it <laughs> isn't. I'll have one maybe or have a beer or whatever. Yeah. You know, but it's not the greatest thing. And part of my act is to have like a party vibe, you know, and stuff. And, Podcast is more revealing, but that's what's so funny. When I was on, on Rock Station, man, people thought, oh, man, you must party all the time. I go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'd see me out. I was like, Why do you only have one beer? Ah, I, just, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe one beer. I had, yeah. a, uh, I had a bartender downtown who um, met Michael Keaton, and Michael Keaton walked in, and he sat there, and he goes, I'd like you know, a, mm-hmm. a drink. And he was about to pour him like the most massive shot ever. It's like Michael Keaton. I'm, you know, I love. I want to show this guy how much. And he goes, No, 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 no. Wussy shot. <laughs> Give me a wussy shot. Because he just sat there. He goes, Why is that? He goes, Every time I come into Pittsburgh, everybody assumes because they mm-hmm. see, you know, Mr. Mom and all these like, gung ho and everything like that. And I'm the Pittsburgh guy. They all want to party and they all buy me these massive drinks. <laughs> that if I drink, I would get drunk in three seconds. Yeah. Well, in college, I went to Indian University of Pennsylvania which stands for I Usually Party. It's grade school. And I remember my 21st birthday party, and my roommate was Zig, his name was. Nicest guy. Kid from Philly, he's my roommate. 
the kid could drink like nothing. I, I was amazing drink. He's a lovable drunk. Legend. Legendary. <laughs> Physically looked like you a little bit, Mikey, but picture Mikey with red hair, fire engine red hair. Zig. Yeah, he was a character. <laughs> uh, always had a drink in his hand, always had a beer in his hand. And I turned 21, and he and my buddy Rod and all my buddies, they go, you're going to drink 21 shots tonight. <sighs> and I'm like, I don't know if I want to do that. They're like, no, you're going to drink 21. I'm like, okay, I guess. So I go to these bars. I'm drinking. I might have got 10 in. That was it. I was done. They're carrying me. They're just carrying me around. <laughs> and it was, I, I remember that, I remember I went, we lived in this place called Carriage House, this apartment complex. And I remember uh, Rod drove. He was, the, he was the sober one in the group. He pulls up. And I, I get out of the car, and there was a cliff, like a, a hill, like a hill, and it went into a creek <laughs> that was maybe about two feet deep, maybe, at the most, not, maybe not even, six inches, maybe, whatever. I roll <laughs> down the hill into the creek, <laughs> and Zig, for whatever reason, was like thinking that I was in a lake or something, I don't know, and he goes, oh my God, Jimmy fell in the water, you know, and then Zig dives. From the thing, I was like that he was to kill himself <laughs> on the main for like six feet or whatever. I'm like, Zig, what are you doing? And he, and he, I'm not kidding, in a creek, he goes into some lifeguard thing with his head, his arm around the back of my neck and dragging me out of the water. <laughs> like we're in the ocean. And I'm just pulling, pulling, I'm like, Zig, I'm pulling my neck. I'm, we're, we're in six inches of water. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Dude, he, was, he was amazing, Zig, man. He, he ended up being a pharmacist. Yeah, he's a real, real genius guy. But he would drink. He was amazing. Like, one time, I didn't find him for a day and a half. We had this room we both shared, and in, in, uh, there was a, in another room with these two other guys shared, and we had our closet, and we would just throw our clothes in the closet. <laughs> so, you know, it's piled up, and I lost Zig, and I, was, I didn't know whether, really, I was thinking of calling the police. I'm not kidding. We found him about three hours later. In the clothes, sleeping in the middle of the closet. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they moved. I'm like, oh my god! Like, well, you, were you were there for 12 hours. <laughs> Jesus Christ! That's the man that saved he your life. A, he was a man who saved my life. Mm -hmm. He was amazing. <laughs> yeah, he was a character, man. Yeah, him and him and my buddy Bullwinkle in, in college. That's another guy. Oh my Zig god! Zig and Bullwinkle. Bullwinkle and Zig. <laughs> Bullwinkle. I don't really, I don't even do drugs. The funny thing is Bullwinkle got high all the time. He, like, was one of those guys who grew his marijuana plants or something. And Bullwinkle, one <laughs> weekend, he, we were roommates. I'm not kidding. He had so, I didn't realize how much marijuana. He wasn't selling. He was doing it for himself. But these plants were, like, from floor to ceiling. One weekend, he asked me to water his plants, and I did. And, and they, were, they were in the bedroom. I mean, the whole th wall of marijuana plants. I would just be getting out of jail now. <laughs> and I don't even partake in it. And I'm like, I didn't realize that as a kid, you're like, you're watering a plant. So I'm doing this for Bullwinkle, man. And he was always high. And Bullwinkle was the guy that uh, we, we would take, he was somehow just barely pass exams and be able to stay in school for the next semester. So one summer, we're taking probability and statistics. And I took it, and he, he had taken it for like the fourth time which is amazing because you're only allowed to take it three before you get kicked out of school. Somehow he's like, taking it for the fourth time. <laughs> and we had this professor who was the toughest nails guy, like, you know, be like your Marine sergeant or some crew cut guy. 
tough guy. I remember this this guy like it was yesterday, Doctor Williams. Nice, nice enough guy. Fair, crew cut, straight as an arrow. Guys, prop stats. And and Bullwinkle is just always burnt out. And he's like, you know, hey mom. He goes, we're taking a midterm for this thing. This is a six week summer course. And he goes, hey mom, let's study together, dude. We're gonna <laughs> study. I'm like, okay. So uh, Bullwinkle and I study. We're studying for hours and hours. And we take the we to take the exam next day. It's like a two hour exam. Bullwinkle's done in fifteen minutes. <laughs> I'm amazed. I'm like, I'm not even. I'm still working this thing. He goes, I aced it like that. <laughs> 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 like, that's amazing. I see him at Wolfendale's this bar at the time. I go, Dave is like, Dave. It's amazing. He goes, It was so easy. I should study more like this. It's, um, it's clear. I'm like, <laughs> this is um, tremendous. Good for you. Sure enough, but, you know, a week later, we get back to exams and get back and look. And I look, and Bullwinkle's head's down on the table like this. I'm like, what's wrong? Now, this is out of 100. I get my, I was like 62 or something, just barely passed. And I said, uh, Dave, what'd you get? He goes, 13. <laughs> <laughs> Thirteen out of a hundred? I said, you couldn't even guess better. Thirteen. He goes, you know what, mom? Guess it's this professor. He goes, I got to talk to him now after class. Like this is gonna be awesome. So we're all hovering around. We want to watch Bullwinkle the Burnout talking to this Marine Sergeant guy about this exam. So he gets up and Bullwinkle's in his face. He goes, he goes, Doctor Williams. I just want you to know, Jim and I studied this for 10 hours. I'm thinking, leave me out of this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need any points taken. I'm barely made. So he, goes, he goes, I studied for hours. You know, Jesus. He, he actually said this. He goes, I just want you to know, least you could have did was curve. <laughs> <laughs> the guy goes, Dave, I did. You got an eight. <laughs> <laughs> curve number 13. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. So <laughs> that's my say no to drugs and alcohol speech there. No, <laughs> and you meet your best friends as you get old. You do. You do meet the character. You meet a lot of characters, I'll tell you that. Definitely meet a lot of characters as, as you go through go through school, go through college. Yeah, I know, you know, you did. You, well you played ball, so you were pretty you're pretty straight yeah. arrow, weren't you? Yeah, pretty much. Athlete. Yeah, I was. And see I didn't start like uh You partied though at some point. I see I didn't start drinking until like my early 20s and then i had a problem so like now um this month you're I'm sober you had a real problem right? yeah, yeah this month i'm six years no alcohol so see, i probably had I a problem that recognized well you know when you're shirtless yeah. listening to brian mcknight's greatest hits in the house you grew up in you got a problem it's time so. it's time <laughs> you probably yeah, should it's quit. time to pull back it's like oh man i'm done facebook it's okay, <laughs> it's but, yeah. so yeah no but uh overall I was, I was pretty cool but i did always meet different characters oh, i'm sure up. oh yeah during your day oh see. yeah even even when i lived in alabama uh for a little while alabama's where you met yeah. the weirdest characters yeah you told me, right because i worked in the club you're a and stuff. bouncer i was a bouncer in, in the most bizarre bar ever yeah la bamba and there was a strip club <laughs> called i can't Fat believe Cats it was even real I worked in. Huh. and yeah where uh, there were there were people shootings at this strip club. Oh, there was tell about shootings. the old guy with the, with the shots i know maybe we told 100 episodes ago <laughs> we got to re just give a recap of that guy so okay just a recap of the thing is i was 19 when i was doing this i just turned 19 but they thought i was 23 because of how big i was and i was walking on to play mm. for alabama a&m so uh, when I did security in these clubs, I could get in. They never checked for ID. I could just go anywhere I wanted to. You were a lineman in football. Yeah, yeah defense alignment. 
So what ended up happening was there's this club called Le Cartier's. Uh, some guy was always quick to pull out his pepper spray because that's just what he did. <laughs> he wanted to be a cop so bad, ben mm-hmm. but he couldn't be oh, a cop. Right. It was Ben Clingston. That's right, pal. Nobody moved. <laughs> Real life Ben Clingston. So he pulled out the pepper spray, he sprayed the club, and he hit this guy in the face. This guy was ticked. He gets upset. We asked him, hey, are you okay? He said, yeah, I'm fine. If anyone ever does that while you're in a club or a bar, leave, okay? No one should ever be that calm after I being promise. pepper sprayed. I will always do that. <laughs> he walks out. If I ever get pepper sprayed, yes. I'm leaving, Terry. You have to, Jim. my motto from now on. He walks out. He goes and gets a gun. Pulls a gun out on a buddy of mine. Friend of mine goes to stop him. He says, no, don't do it. You're a bouncer. Yeah. So I'm faded back. I'm like, I'm not going to do anything <laughs> at this point. <laughs> my life, I'm 19. I got a lot of life to live. I was your age. So. The guy goes out, and he decides he's just going to shoot up the bar, okay? But he doesn't have a machine gun or anything that would, like, do a ton of damage. He has 9 millimeters, So he has to aim at the places that he thinks people might be just to shoot it. Wow. So he's, like, strategically trying to shoot the bar up. As he shoots the bar, he hits a guy named Pops. Now, Pops was an old guy in the bar that would always come there and just get hammered on Hennessy. That's all he loved to drink was Hennessy. He gets shot in the arm. Everyone's freaking out. We're like, Pops, oh, my God, you're bleeding. He goes, man, this is a flesh wound. Give me another shot. I'll be <laughs> exactly. I know. That was my favorite story. Wow. He's craziest he's thing. One of the craziest That's thing I ever seen. He's, a flesh he's, either, he's either tough as nails or he was an alcoholic. Wound. One or the other. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, Pops he was a little bit of all the above. He was all the above, team. <laughs> I know. I love that story. Uh, give me another Hennessy. Yeah, just give me another shot is that of Hennessy. Scotch Hennessy? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try that. Is that Scotch Wayne? It's cognac. Ah, cognac. That's good. Stuff. And you know, those are the guys in the Pittsburgh bars that you always got to worry about. Because the thing about Pittsburgh is we have the toughest 65 year old people in the world. Oh, right? yes. That's, we got that's, a yeah, fact. that's you go to a bar in, you know, down in, in the strip or it Lawrenceville or whatever, play. and no, you find you that 65 year old guy. All on here, tatted up, all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, that guy could, that guy will beat up the entire Pittsburgh Steelers with one arm. No, and it's shot like that, no yes, problem. The, no, mm-hmm. but the Pittsburgh. My thing dad's is one not, of those guys. The <laughs> Pittsburgh thing is like, yeah, like your dad did. But I'll tell you right now, like your dad, or has got, they're not tatted up. That's just it. Well, my dad they doesn't look, have tattoos. No, yeah. that's what I'm saying. They're at the bar. They look very conservative. Yes. They may have a just a t-shirt on. Look very, just. Very conservative yeah. guys and whatever, and you'll be like, you know, oh yeah, Jay, he ripped somebody's throat out by twenty-two years. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Right? Why? Yeah. Uh, somebody took his scratch offs. Really? <laughs> ripped his throat out with his two fingers. <laughs> that guy. Yeah. It's Quiet. Like, it's and like it, a hard life and beer gave him just, super strength. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like that's his beer, superpower. That's his origin. Beer and yeah, peanuts and beer. <laughs> peanuts <laughs> and beer and Iron City peanuts. There's, peanuts, beer and man, <laughs> peanuts, beer and manual labor. That's, well, that's you what builds think, that. All, all them peanuts you eating all peanuts that protein over the years. Yeah. <laughs> right. You're getting nothing mm-hmm. but muscle. You got you know your workout guy. Oh, yeah. Just that's eating protein, peanuts and drinking beer. You got your carbs. And then you have a once in a while hard boiled egg involved. Yeah, there's always a pickled egg. There's a pickled egg Pittsburgh diet. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's what a guy told me yeah, once. He goes, always worry about the quiet ones because the, the quiet guy is sitting there thinking, you know, I'm on parole. Mm-hmm. Do I really want to go back to the jail for 10 years to yeah. beat the hell out of this guy? The guy who talks the is the guy who doesn't is, know how to do it. The other thing, thing is about this area about Pittsburgh is I don't know what it is about Pittsburgh. Men and women both equal. They are dangerous with a baseball bat. 
Yes. <laughs> Anything ever happens, you always have that one uncle, your dad, your aunt, could be anyone. It's like you hear a noise downstairs, they got a baseball bat. <laughs> Somebody got a machine gun, and they, they, don't, they got a baseball bat. doesn't matter. They're going to take you out. My dad was the king of the baseball. He had the baseball bat always, man. <laughs> World he, was War II. To, he was ready to rock with that baseball. It was like a, he was like Bruce Lee with that bat. He was good. Didn't you say you would have like people just like come into your kitchen window, like breaking into the house? I lived house. in the strip district. I lived in the craziest place. My dad is a <laughs> just rolling into your house. Old, he's eighty <laughs> now. But when I was a kid, he was just a tough little guy. He was like you look like Joe Pesci, and uh, <laughs> a bigger Joe, a little bigger, bigger. Mm -hmm. You know, but he was just a wild man. I, the strip district where I lived was like just a wild place. It was you know, and uh, one time I was about. I don't know, probably, probably years like 14, something like that. And um, there was a vi Steelers or Pirates or something like that. It was a big celebration downtown. Now, I li actually lived in 12th Street downtown behind the Heinz History Center. And some was starting fires all over the, the uh, where we lived in our alley. Mm -hmm. And my dad suspected these three guys. And my dad had an interesting thing about him, like in emergency. He never put on any – he had his, his <laughs> uniform <laughs> – was like the guy in uh, the 80s show that's out now um, that stars Jeff Garland. The oh, Goldbergs. the Goldbergs, yeah. When I saw the Goldbergs, like, oh, my God, that's my dad, which was tidy whities <laughs> in a T-shirt. That was like his uniform. <laughs> Ready it, for combat. It was a superhero <laughs> uniform. <laughs> tidy whitey man. Tidy whities in a shirt just like Goldberg. And that was his thing <laughs> at night. But he never bother to put clothes on if he had to run outside in any emergency so he's outside <laughs> there's no it's, time when you're fighting crime no <laughs> there's fires i'm probably like 16 or 15 16 up i was able to drive a car because i remember moving a, my mother's car was in front of but there was fires going on all around people just starting cardboard boxes and stuff and there was like firemen around police so all people were looting and so my dad is in his superhero uniform with his baseball bat <laughs> <laughs> and these three guys are laughing, and this, and, and he thinks, suspects they started the fire. And I'll never feel stand. It's like, I get the car, I'm back. My dad's there, and my dad's like five foot four. Mm -hmm. And uh, and these guys are kind of big. And 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 the guy goes to my dad. He goes, he goes, that's not funny. Or you know, he said, there's fires, and my family could have burned out, whatever. And the guy goes, you think you're big and bad because you got that bat. And my dad. <laughs> Puts the bat in front of the guy and drops it. He goes, nah, I ain't got the bat. That's how he talks. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy took a step toward my dad, and the, my dad just hits him somehow or whatever. <laughs> and the guy goes down, and the other two guys ran. And I'm stunned. But as I'm standing there stunned, I hear a I hear shh, shh, shh. My dad's dragging the guy into the fire. <laughs> 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 so I had to pull him off of him. I said, you can't drag him into the fire. And the fireman's laughing. <laughs> and he goes, you better get your dad upstairs. That's hysterical. Though. You know, so sorry. <laughs> it's crazy. Adventures of Tidy Whitey Man. My dad. <laughs> oh, they knew it. We lived across the Greyhound bus station. Uh, he had to be tough. My mother's car was broken into literally monthly. That's crazy. And we had an old beat up car, too. It's like our old ugly green rambler or yeah. something like that but it's it was where we lived and mm -hmm. but my dad would have <laughs> this is very funny actually my dad had a blank gun thank god he never real gun 
he would have been dangerous. But could you imagine what these people saw? Like one time, people were doing a drug deal on top of the hood of my mom's car. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad hears it. And he has to run down the stairs. Now remember, tighty whities tight t-shirt, <laughs> blank gun. And I roll this window open, and he's, he's, <laughs> these, these hookers and pimps, and all the drugs are on the hood of the car. And I go, and I'm like about 12. And I go, excuse me. And I see a little boy. And they're like, yes. I go, I would run if I were you. And they're like, what? And my dad comes flying out the door, <laughs> shooting the blank gun in his underwear. Oh, and they're like, you just see dr- things thrown everywhere, running. Things it was amazing. It was amazing. But he would grind. But the thing is, that when they, they would break out into the house every once in a while. Uh-huh. Someone breaking her home. My dad would get this butcher. He had this butcher knife, like a Jason, Friday the 13th. And he'd chase them, whoever it was. And he'd chase them. They'd always run into the bus station. My, they knew my dad, the security, because he'd, huh. he'd come. Could you imagine being in the grand bus station, seeing the guy in his tidy whities <laughs> with a butcher knife running through? <laughs> <laughs> like every couple of months? <laughs> he was fearless. Yeah. He was fearless. Part yeah. of the brochure of every like the Chamber of, of Commerce of Pittsburgh. And come see Mr. Fred. You had Fred. to see it to believe it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think people still do that at Greyhound. They'd argue. They, they, they rode to Greyhound. Escort lately. my dad out. <laughs> There's like a mural on the wall now. Yes. Yeah. There's a mural on the wall. Tidy Whitey's butcher knife running through. <laughs> right. He's a little yeah. beer. He had a little gut. He's a little gut that always, you know, still has. <laughs> he's in his 80s now, so he's slowed down a little bit. Uh, so. He won't run as fast. That's you literally it. have to have him on a show and tell his stories, man. He could talk for hours. Oh, man. He, he was the first comedian I saw. My dad. He would tell stories at parties. That's why I wanted to be a comedian. Hmm. He would tell all these stories, and he could tell them captivating ways. And I'd be like amazed how he can ca- captivate a room, you know, and, and just paint that picture. And I think that's how I learned <laughs> how to tell stories somehow. <laughs> Two of my favorite stories you told me about him was uh, one was the zoo. I always bring that up. <laughs> that's one of my favorite stories of all time. And the second one was the the water, the when he was with his buddy with Lou Brown. Uh, yeah, with Lou Brown. Lou Brown, man. Lou Brown, all right, my dad, he, he, uh, he asphalted the streets for a living. But that's all they did was, they, they only did that for a few hours, and they knew how to get out, and they, they, they lived for the track. Yeah. My dad, and his best friend was Lou Brown. Now, Lou Brown was a, was a hustler. From, now, my dad grew up as a pool hustler, so he knew, he knew some kids. And Lou Brown was a hustler. He was a boxer, and he would do, Lou Brown would do stuff like, Terry would see my Lou Brown one day. Lou Brown would have like this this uh, turban on with a, with a stone in it, and he said, "Lou, what are you doing?" Lou be like, "Hey man, he goes, he goes, I'm a Lou Brown looks like Red Fox. He remind me of Red Fox a lot. He looked like him a lot visually. But he'd be like, "Hey man, I'm a, I'm, I'm I made fifty dollars as a psychic." I'm like what? <laughs> and he would do that, and, you know, to make up like he was a psychic. So, like, so anyway, he has this plan. He's gonna. He tells my dad. He figures out that you in the city of Pittsburgh that if he can get <laughs> compensation, he won't have to work. They just wanted to. They just did their job, so they go to the track. They love going to track. So he said, "Ted, it work." He goes, "I'm gonna." He goes, "What are you gonna do, Lou?" He goes, "Well, I'm gonna work on this here." He goes, "I'm gonna fall into this." He said, "When I fall in, he said you go get the bosses and stuff, all right?" <laughs> so Lou falls in the ditch. Okay, now he can't move to enact this whole thing to happen. My dad says it starts to rain the hardest, most torrential downpour ever. 
in Lou's land, and he can't find anybody. <laughs> My dad's looking everywhere, and he keeps coming back. And he said, Lou, I can't find anybody. Well, the water starts filling up, and he's, like, drowning. And Lou has to lift up. Because he has to be unconscious for this to work. To get the image, he said, Lou's, like, Lou's like the water's going. And he's calling my dad every name in a book. Like, you get somebody down. And suddenly he put his head back down in the water. And suddenly he had to give up when he couldn't find <laughs> You said he got up and just said, forget it. He just said, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so Lou was a boxer. And my dad, they always had these fights like who was tougher, him or Lou. <laughs> so... One day, so True Source was in a Post-Gazette. You can look it up in the Pittsburgh Press Post-Gazette now. They're asphalting uh, the zoo. There, there's areas of the zoo. So my dad and Lou Brown are part of the crew. And this guy, my dad says, has him. He's a zookeeper guy. He has him, and he's in a golf cart. He's driving around, and he sees. My dad says he sees a chimpanzee, which is big, like walking, like hands up, walking across this thing. And he goes, my dad's thinking, well, that's interesting. Maybe when the zoo's off, they must let the chimpanzees out. Well, chimpanzees are probably the strength of like eight men and could kill you in a second. Well, about eight of them escape up from the cage. And my dad doesn't know. And the guy goes, oh, my God. And he's on the walkie-talkie. My dad's like, what? What's going on? What's going on? And the guy goes, there's a chimpanzee. And he went to see him. It's all he says, the back of my dad's foot. <laughs> he's out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> so my dad says he's running through the thing. And he, says, he knows these chimpanzees. eight of them out there, right? And, there, he, and he runs down the hill. And, and there's Lou. He's laying on, laying on the hood. It's like a July day. He's laying on the hood of the truck. <laughs> and he has, like, their, their thermos and the whole thing. And with iced water or iced tea or whatever laying there. And Terry, my dad's Terry, runs around. And Lou goes, what are you doing? He goes, get in that truck. He goes, he goes, why? He goes, there's eight chimpanzees. They escaped. <laughs> Terry goes in the truck and closes the door. He says, get in, Lou, get in. He goes, look at you. He said, afraid. Did a fear. Yeah, you didn't grow up in the neighborhood I did. He said, that's why you're so afraid, Terry. He said, you ain't nothing. He said, you ain't nothing, man. You, I thought you were street, but you ain't street. You ain't nothing. Look at you, man. Just afraid of some chimpanzees. Yeah, lad, like you take on chimp. Yeah, come on, man. Look at you in that car, afraid. And Lou's like, take on some chimpanzees. And he said, as soon as he said that, the chimpanzees are running toward them. Toward their truck <laughs> with guards chasing the chimpanzees. <laughs> and there's like, run, and it looks like a monster movie. And Lou just goes, What the? And he goes, Terry, and he goes to get the door, and Terry won't unlock it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he goes, Open this, open this door, open this door. And Terry goes, And Terry rolls the window this much and goes, Are you scared? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, Quit that shit now. Stop it. <laughs> Open the door now. Quit that. Stop that shit now. He goes, he goes, are you scared? He goes, yeah, I'm scared. Let me answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so that's funny. True story. And then when you said, uh, <laughs> did your dad saw the, the monkey grab one guy and he was. He <laughs> grabbed him. He goes, see, my dad says, he pondering it. My dad tells him, he goes, yeah, he said, that one guy must abuse the monkey. See, the monkey grabbed the guy by his wrist. And was punching. <laughs> like, really? Said, yeah. He said, must abuse that monkey. He said, he must remember. Monkeys don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have man. to hear my dad those. That's another movie tagline. Yeah. Monkeys, monkeys don't forget. Don't he said, he, said he, he said he must abuse them. He always said that monkey grabbed by the wrist and like. But Lou is oh god, oh, I laughed so hard. Are so you scared funny. yet? Yeah, I'm scared. <laughs> he balked at first. Though. Yeah, those yeah, characters, man. That's your dad's awesome. He's character. Like a badass pool hustler that tells great stories. He is a very colorful, very <laughs> colorful <laughs> life. Yeah, very colorful life with those characters, man. That's how I got to learn all those characters doing the show, doing radio, man. 
and uh, yeah, well, you know, well you guys all had colorful lives too, with your characters too. I know all your stories too. Thanks for letting <laughs> me tell mine today. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, it was a fun, fun show, man. It's a happy New Year to everybody. 2016. It's it's hard to believe, man. 2016. You guys are younger than me. You know, I always thought when I was little, 2016. First off, I didn't think I'd be alive because <laughs> you know you're like 1970s. You're like, oh, 2016. I thought I'd be flying like the Jetsons. Yeah. I did always say that was true. I thought I'd have like a silver outfit. Floating I, around, driving. I, Sean, the, they're starting the prototype. You got a story today. What was this? Tell us about the car real The quick, prototype wait. is now the FAA has just given them the, the go-ahead to start production of a prototype of a flying car that they say they'll have in the streets within the next 10 years. Which I'm very afraid of. My wife is the worst driver in the world. <laughs> Our insurance company calls her Crash Grant. I'm telling you, she's bad. Could you imagine my Hetty with a car flying? Oh, my God. We can't have flying cars. There'll be too many accidents, right? Mm -hmm. Well, they're, they're claiming the reason why it won't be is because yeah. it's going to work off Google. Like, you know how you have Google cars right. now where you can. So essentially all you'll do is you'll sit there in the car and you're like, fly to New York City and it'll go itself. Yeah, until you hit a dead spot and you hit a tree. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, yeah, they'll have to improve Wi-Fi. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be first step. Your mother's going to be a news story about some poor bastard in a dead spot, you know? Yeah, hopefully you won't yeah, fly where Wasaki grew up where there's, like, yeah, one bar. Down, yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. drones it crashing into your car. It's going to be weird. He was doing so well he went into the river. Then you have to buy you know? Then you have to buy insurance for it, yeah. All that kind hey, of stuff. It, well, they have the car that drives itself. I saw in 60 minutes. I mm -hmm. thought that would never happen. That's coming out. It, no, it's he it got pulled over. It's going to be everywhere. People, you you can punch <laughs> in the yeah, destination. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, they have funny. it to where it can stop and start, and it's. They say the only, they only say that pretty amazing. people the the only accidents it gets into is when people that aren't Google cars right. or whatever because run into not it. Going to have yeah, it, it's. They have it perfect. Well, they even talked about yesterday. I talked about 60 Minutes went inside right. Apple and did a bunch of stories. Yeah. The new thing is within the next 18 months, Apple's going to come out with a car. Really? Yeah. Apple car. They've been talking about working on this for a while. Wow. Boy, Apple, man, they're taking the world, aren't they? They yeah. talk, their, their brand new um, corporate headquarters they showed, huh. $5 billion to build. The, the corporate headquarters. The corporate headquarters. It's amazing. $5 billion. It's, it's more or less a city. How do they, how do they, you ever see these these documentaries on these companies? How do they even get any work done? They have like these real flex times, like you know, they always have like oh, I work two hours a day. Bullwinkle could work there, <laughs> <laughs> right? They all have like exercise rooms and this and that. It's like a gym or sort of well, vacation place. The biggest, workplaces. most competitive thing in Silicon like Valley. Be unbelievable. Well, Silicon Valley, they talk about one of the reasons why like they come to Pittsburgh. And, and set up shop right. is if they keep all their stuff in, in San Francisco and, and in the Bay Area is everything's more expensive. Like if Google has this amazing chef right. and everyone wants to have the best food, then Apple goes up to him and goes, we'll pay you $250,000 to come and be our chef. Then, like, another tech company comes in and goes, well, we'll pay you half a million dollars for a chef. Then then some other ones, oh, if you're the best chef, we'll pay you seven. So then wow. all of a sudden they look up the spreadsheet and they go, wait a minute. We're paying $750,000 a chef. year for a chef. And then they go to Pittsburgh and they're like, yeah, 40000 You're good. We'll, I'll cook you grilled cheeses. We're good. Chuck, you went to Culinary Institute. <laughs> <laughs> want tomato soup? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'll do it for free Wi-Fi <laughs> and a phone. And <laughs> a phone. Give me an iPhone. I mean, <laughs> hey man, that was a fun show. Appreciate it, guys. It's happy New Year, everybody. And uh, any New Year's resolutions? We're gonna grab, give one. Any kind of thing? I'm gonna try and lose ten pounds. <laughs> I said it every year. 
I'm going to try to gain 10 pounds. All right. <laughs> <laughs> We're a match. Tear? Oh, I'm going to get my first tattoo. Oh, I can't wait for this. What's and I just, be? I finally found an artist that did it. Uh, what are you going to do? Me and Sharice. Comic book She went thing to get a tattoo. No, it's going to be a, uh, so I am going to get a bat symbol somewhere. That's but I thought. I want to get a collage. The first part is going to be a Japanese tiger because it's born year of the tiger. So okay. that represents something like that. that's part of me. Okay, that's cool. Uh, a phoenix over here, and I'm just going to get a full. Let me know piece. when you go. I'll go with you. I want to watch right. it. Yeah, maybe I'll get one too. Yeah. I'm going to learn. Really? How- yeah. What, what would you get? My chest. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> funny. No. What would you get if you got uh, a tattoo? Probably something with Hetty or something. My wife or something yeah. for fun. You know, okay. surprise her. Something like heart and one of those heart things. Get one like, of like your the old dad school with school. <laughs> get one yeah. with your dad with a sword. Tear it. Yes. <laughs> I'll have my dad with tidy whities on. Yeah. He'll be running across your big chest. Butcher yeah. knife. Yeah. <laughs> 50 Cent has like a giant 50 yeah. on his back. Kren will have the strip district all down his back. <laughs> He'll just tell a story yes. of his life. <laughs> like picture, Red Dragon. Little picture Rick C. <laughs> Eating uh, something. Yeah. <laughs> he was a hot dog. Eating a hot dog. Yeah. Yes. Eating <laughs> this pie on Jimmy's back. <laughs> what do you? What would you do? I'm gonna learn how to what properly your... give a pedicure to a possum. Uh, a possum. Oh, yes. Absolutely. We have the video to live by. That's that's that's, that's my 2016. Good I like skill. it, Mike. Hey, everybody. Have a, uh, Mike, what was yours again? I'm sorry. What was I was gaining 10, 10 You're pounds. gonna gain yeah. mine. Yeah. I'm yeah. serious. I'm getting, okay. a, I'm getting yours. All right. He's you gonna eat what you should eat. Okay. You could have it. You'd hold it well. <laughs> hey, I appreciate everyone listening and, and streaming and, and, and listen. They'll see you next year, I guess. Huh? This will be a year-end one. So it'll be number 150 after this. So, yeah, it's Jim Crenn, No Restrictions. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Hey, everybody. It's Jim Crenn of Jim Crenn, No Restrictions. I just wanted to take the time out to thank you for listening to the show. We have a little over 100,000 subscribers now every week listening to the show. Go to SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or JimCran.com and subscribe today. And thanks again. If your business, whether large or small, is in need of commercial collections, choose PrimeCore Group. PrimeCore Group is a Pittsburgh-based corporate collections agency. Now, if your business is owed money, PrimeCore Group is there to help you. On a contingency basis only, PrimeCore Group will recover what is owed to you in a professional and trusted manner. Contact PrimeCore Group today by going to primecoregroup.com.